Hey, y'all. Welcome all to the uh, Sports Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Quinn, with your other host, Don Bitola. And we're just a couple of comics who love sports and love talking about sports. Uh, so we're just going to get right into this next podcast. We're going to do one on the skateboarder Rodney Mullen. Yeah, Rodney Mullen. I was excited. I mean, we're like I said, we're the Sports Experience Podcast. We don't do the big four here. We cover the whole gamut. Yeah, yeah. If, if we feel like there's an interesting story out there related with sports, we're going to tackle it man yeah and if you have uh any questions or any suggestions for us as far as subjects to do podcasts on please email them there we'll, uh, email them our way chris what's our email it's the sports experience podcast at gmail.com yeah so uh get on that everybody i mean we're open to anything yes uh not gay stuff i'm married no 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 not glory holes but like down for anything i had to leave the gay stuff behind after i got married it's just one of those religious <laughs> things all right let's get right into let's this get podcast. right into it all right rodney, rodney mullen. mullen yeah he is the uh god the godfather of so many tricks but uh he was born in gainesville florida yep august 19th, 17th 1966 in 66 and um how would we even get started? He got started skateboarding because his sister was like hanging out with surfers. And yeah. that's that's essentially where everybody got the start in skateboarding. Exactly. Like, you know, even Lords of Dogtown, that type of thing. Like yeah. It was, every, everybody has it seemed like at the beginning some sort of surfing or surfing adjacent background. Yes. And yeah. so there was a, another uh, skater from Florida named Alan Galfin. Yeah. And Alan Galfin invented the Ollie. Well, kind of. He kind of invented the scoop Ollie. Exactly, yeah. And Alan went to this guy, Stacy Peralta, who will we'll double back around. We'll bring him yeah, back in later. Yeah, definitely bring him back. And he said, hey, you got to fly this guy, kid out from Florida mm -hmm. to California to see him because he is different than what everybody's doing. So in that area, everybody was skating vert. Yeah, like in abandoned pools and things like that. Yes, Nobody that, was really like flat ground skateboarding. No, flat ground was actually looked at like almost like circus stuff. Like yeah. it was almost like a joke. Yeah. And then Rodney Mullen showed up and everybody was like, oh, that's what flat ground could be. Yeah, like just super inventive. And it's almost like growing up in Florida gave him an advantage for that because it's not like kind of a vert type of thing, you know? Yeah. And the other thing was he grew up almost in isolation. So he didn't really have a skating crew to be like, oh, you should do this. Or like, yeah. we're all doing the judo or whatever was popular at that time. He pretty much like went into isolation and figured out these tricks himself. Yeah, which is crazy. And like, uh, I was reading kind of a story about his dad. His dad was a dentist, had yep. like military background and really didn't want him skating because he could hurt himself. But, you know, when he was like 13, 14, he, 19, New Year's Day, 1977, he went out, got a skateboard and started inventing stuff. Well, you know? that was the thing was his dad told him that it was temporary. Yeah. And that's what got beat into his head as a little kid. It was like, you can have this, but it's not going to be forever. So when Rodney would go and skate, he would go and skate for like 10 hours at a time. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. He would literally have these sessions by himself just figuring out what the skateboard could do. Which I found so fascinating is that like you're doing something that's not mainstream and you're dedicating that much time and inventiveness to it. Well, he said he's obsessive compulsive. So yeah, once he, I once could, he, I could kind of tell once uh -huh. he got into it and he said his most, um, where he created the most tricks was July 77 to August 77. Okay. Which is pretty crazy to think, 
throughout his whole career, but that's literally when he said he flipped the board around and started doing the Casper. Yeah, yeah. And that's when he said his mind kind of opened up and was like, oh, the board can go any way I choose. Exactly. And that's kind of the cool thing is like, when he kind of came of age, it was a blank canvas for anything to be done yes. on. And kudos to him. That's well, so awesome. In this era, there was one other freestyle skater that was even in his league, mm-hmm. and that was Steve Rocco. Yeah. And we'll double back around on I Steve know, Rocco, right? too. But he ends up beating Steve Rocco in this, uh, I think it was the it's the Oasis Pro Championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unbeknownst to anybody else because that was the thing about rodney was he was kind of he was completely introvert and he was kind of um he was kind of uh what is that word where kids are kind of he was kind of autistic oh yeah no dude i was the same way growing up that's why i found it so awesome yeah he wouldn't have full conversations with people so he literally went and he was skating for the bones brigade at that time stacy peralta's team um, and he went and he won this contest, but unbeknownst to everybody else, this was his last contest. His dad told him, yeah. Hey, you're retiring after this. <laughs> and he was just kind of like, okay, because his dad's his yeah. dad, uh, that's law. Yeah. So he went home, I think he was 14 and he put his board away for like three months. Oh my God. And how depressing was that for him? He, oh. his teachers contacted his parents and said, something's wrong with Rodney. Yeah. You need to look into it. And then they were like, oh, we don't know what's wrong with him. And he kept telling him he wants to go back to skating. And they kept telling him no. And then because of this contest and the way magazines work, like three months later, he got all this popularity from it. Oh, and wow. people were like, whoa, this kid won this freestyle contest. Who is this kid? And like magazines started calling their house. And oh, no. his dad's reaction was, well, I guess something's happening with this. So yeah. you better see it out. Exactly. And that's when he said that like, before he thought he was putting a bunch of hours into it, after his dad let him, after he gave him back his skateboard, uh-huh. he was doing like 12, 16-hour days. Oh, my God. And they lived in the worst part of Florida. Yeah, like the panhandle it, Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's pretty much like humidity, you know, 11 months out of the year. Exactly. And they said that they built like a little Ramada with like a, with like a, a- AC that would blow on them. Oh, and wow. And he would spend... The entire day there. Yeah. I mean, to have something that like that, though, taken away and then get it back, you can tell the determination in him was just like, I'm yeah, going to see this through. That's what I mean, lit 12 the fire. to 16 hours a day. Like, this could be taken away from me again at any moment, so I'm going to really get it going. Yeah, and he, he actually says that. It was he had the fear that his dad would be like, all right, this is over. So he wanted to just get everything he could out of it. Oh, absolutely. And that's when he invented the... So from like 83 to like 92, he -hmm. pretty much invented every street trick there is. Which is is crazy because I was looking through a list of the tricks just like online. They had like a list of them. It's like pages. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll list some that are currently done. So he has yeah. he had a bunch of freestyle tricks that people just don't do because they're flat ground freestyle ones. But he invented the ollie. So people give it. Yeah. Alan Gelfin invented the scoop ollie. 
but Rodney Mullen was doing the ollie on flat ground for oh, like a decade before anybody else even were were like attempting it. Yeah, like knew what it even was. Yeah, and he he had the full snap of what it is now. Yeah. So it wasn't like a janky little thing. It was what the ollie is now. Yeah. And he did it a decade before anybody else. But then he did. He invented the five forty shove it, the Casper, the kick flip, the heel flip, the double flip, the impossible. The 360 flip, the Casper 360 flip, and then he started getting into switch stance okay. and did all those all those tricks switch. Oh my god! But then he invented the half cab flip, which is the front side flip and the back side flip. Which, if you know anything from skateboarding videos from 90s and 2000s, those were standard tricks to do over a set of stairs. Like if you didn't have those a front side flip or a backside flip over a set of stairs in that era, your video wasn't shit. Exactly. And he was doing these tricks on flat ground in eighty four. I know. Like to to think about just how your mind would work and be like, I wanna make my board do this on this type of surface to make it work. Nobody's ever done it. So you need those twelve to sixteen hour days yeah. to like perfect it and get everything right. And then just share it with the world. Well, that's why I feel like he was so much ahead of his time was he had like, and there's a weird um, analogy that I like to bring up with this where it was like uh, with poker. Yeah. So before online poker, we just didn't have the amount of hours at a poker table to know what was the correct move. Yeah. And then after online poker, people like could do 10,000 hours in a month or whatever at a poker mm -hmm. table and and figure out what the right move was. I feel like that's what happened with Rodney was people weren't really putting 12-hour days to figure out like, hey, how do I do a 360 flip? And then once you have it, people can, they have the set goal because it's already been invented and you can have it down in like an hour or two as opposed to 12. Well, that's what Tony Hawk was saying. Exactly. Was Rodney yeah. Mullen was inventing all these tricks and he would take them to vert the airwalk, the yep. burial. Like he literally was taking these things. He would watch Rodney and be like, I could do that on vert. Yeah. And so if you think like Tony and Tony really did uh, progress the vert game, but he was getting a lot of influence from Rodney in these in these flat ground competitions oh totally yeah he's almost a godfather of it well he's he he was so revolutionary that he was doing the 360 flip and people didn't know what he was doing they thought he was doing a 360 shove it mm -hmm. and he he said that he ended up doing a double 360 flip so people could see exactly what the board was doing oh my god and then he went back to just doing a single one because <laughs> people were fi finally understanding what like what he was doing with the board. Yeah, you know? yeah. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our Sports Experience podcast is brought to you by Angle Studio here, and uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs. So he, he pretty much killed flat ground because he was so much better than everybody else. Yeah, no, I mean, by 1990, he won 34 of 35 of the freestyle competitions I yeah. had read. And that's, you have to be just so dominant and so, I know I keep using the word, but inventive to pull that off. And well, like being in the crowd at that time had to be crazy. Like, I don't know what the hell that was, but that is awesome. Yeah. 
Well, it's one of those things where Vert was so popular because of, I feel like, the competition. It yeah. was Christian Hasoy versus Tony Hawk every single uh-huh. competition. It was Rodney versus himself. Like, everyone would say, like, we would all stop and watch Rodney when he would go out there, but nobody would watch anybody else. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's like watching the most dominant person and then going back to your business. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's like an, it was, what it was at that time was Rodney was like a professional and everybody else was like an amateur. Yeah, and he's just inventing it all on the fly. Yeah. So those amateurs can watch him and be like, okay, maybe I can do that. <laughs> well, one of the best, the uh, he he ends up going with the uh, world industry, which I'll get into in a minute. But he goes, he's talking with Mark Gonzalez, and they like takes off at like four in the morning to go skating, mm-hmm. and he comes back and he's like, how how was your uh, how was your session? And he just goes, I invented three new tricks, and it's one of those things where you're just like, what? Like you just did that, and he's just like, yeah, I just, you know, it's almost morning. like it's like almost like stand up with a writing session, yeah, you know, like well, no, I just had three new bits, yeah, nothing. exactly, you know, it's like, what do you go. mean? We've been hanging out the whole time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I wrote them when you were sleeping, yeah, that's it, and he put in the hours and the work to do it, yes, like it's, and he just shared it with the world, which is so cool, so cool, so flat ground right in the in the early 90s is or is essentially dead yeah and he does something that he doesn't necessarily like and he becomes a a corporate man that him Mm -hmm. and him and steve rocco well technically steve rocco started world industries with this guy named jeff lazaro yeah and then jeff lazaro didn't like the quality of board so he went and asked rodney to buy him out Okay, but Lazaro was still their their pro, so they released these Lazaro boards, even mm-hmm. though he bought them out. Of, this is how shady Steve Rocco is. Um, so essentially, they released this pro who they just bought out, and Lazaro was like, "Fuck you!" But what it did was it it created a blueprint for skaters to create their own companies. Yeah, yeah, and, like they're the pioneers of that. Yes, from what I had read, yeah. And mm-hmm. that just pretty much so before World Industries, the the main shareholder, you know, the main board distributor was uh, Stacy Peralta's company, uh, mm-hmm. Pal Peralta. Yeah. And when Rodney Mullen, he gave Steve Rocco six thousand or five thousand to buy out Jeff Lasaro. Uh, Stacy was like, "Hey, we'll we'll pretty much buy you out for whatever you want because we don't want this to happen. Exactly. Because they kind of saw it happening. And uh-huh. Jeff Powell, who's never been a skateboarder, uh, St- Stacey Peralta was originally a Dogtown. Yeah, he, yeah, he's very famous, yeah, Stacey Peralta. But Powell came out and kind of talked shit on World Industries being Uh-oh. a small company. <laughs> and that's what started the board wars. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is when Rodney kind of changed skateboarding again so he's changed it in the 80s with all of his tricks but then he changed it in the 90s with this innovation of these companies mm-hmm. because under world industries like eight companies sprouted you know yeah it like, like it expanded pretty quickly from what i understand yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and during all this time everybody was trying to get ronnie to straight the skate street which is the big yeah thing now so like what world industries did to break the mold was they went around and bought all the street skaters from all the companies because companies didn't give a shit about street yeah and they released the first exclusively street video which was rubbish heap okay and at the end of rubbish heap a guy comes up jeff trinowski and uh, mike trinowski excuse me and breaks rodney's board 
and hands them a street board. Mm-hmm. And pretty much, and people were saying like, that was the moment where they were like, hey, you're done with flat ground. Yeah. You're going to be a street skater now. And then he ended up signing with Plan B, which uh-huh. was like a subset of World Industries. World Industries, yeah. And they started releasing these skate, these street videos with Rodney. And he was, his board control was so much better than everybody's right off of the bat. Oh, yeah. That it was crazy. I'll get into what he, was, he did before that, but it was crazy to think like, right, like he took flat ground, what he was doing at flat ground, and he immediately transferred it to the street. Yeah, like he's already that talented and he already has an amazing skill set and it's like do something else and he's ready. I mean, it's a guy who does 12 to 16 hour sessions like he's going to pick it up, you know, like that 10,000 hours rule, like you'll yep. master something with that amount of time. I feel like he was at like 40,000 when he was. Yeah, right. <laughs> but what he did with uh, World Industries um, was he reshaped the board. Okay. And I feel like that was something that's kind of gets... Uh, kind of gets overshadowed with all of his other accomplishments was he he made a real street board so before it was all vert boards it was like yeah. heavy it was didn't really have a good scoop in the back end uh-huh. and what he did was he concaved both ends oh nice so you can pretty much do a nollie which is from the front end or a regular ollie from the back end and you could really scoop it and he understood the physics that really needed to go behind the skateboard. Yeah. So he reinvented the way the trucks laid. He reinvented the way the concave of the board oh, was. Man, that's so cool. So in, in people were like, why is he behind the scenes all like during world industries? But when he was behind the scenes, he really revolutionized the way the board is. Well, and who better to, you know, go into the blueprints of how a board is made than somebody who's using it. Yeah, somebody who's that obsessive over that type of thing. I mean, that's the perfect person to be inventive like that. Yeah, he was breaking boards for years because he knew what was wrong with them and like he would go in and fix them himself and like shit like that. So yeah. it was really a perfect it was a perfect storm for him to go in and be like this corporate guy for like five years and then pretty much turn street skating into what it is. Yeah, like just the ability to share your knowledge and take something already good and making it better. Because that's kind of the vibe I got from him. Yes. Because I was very unfamiliar with Rodney Mullen, but that's kind of the vibe I got from him while researching him was that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he definitely was. And people say this because, I mean, his little crew back then, like they were releasing all these videos and all these pictures and magazine of amateurs. And they were like, some people were like, why would we care about these amateurs? And it turned out these guys were going to be like the professionals for the next decade. Exactly. And it's one of these things where Rodney Mullen and, and Steve Rocco saw the potential because they've been in skateboarding for so long mm-hmm. that they were like, no, these guys are going to be great. And that's the difference between, I feel like, these corporate skateboarding shops and what is now standard, yeah, which is skater-owned skateboarding shops. Oh, yeah, because they have... They understand it more. It's not necessarily like if you're going to market to something, who better than the people that are actually doing it than people sitting in an office all day and not skating. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. a quick shout out. uh, We record here in a fully 
equipped recording studio beneath a skateboarder owned skate shop called the blocks so yeah check that out definitely here in tucson here, here at ingle studio yep yep down in the basement <laughs> down in the basement um so he he signs up with plan b mike Ternowski gets him to start going and skating street mm-hmm. and he meets up with probably the only other person that has board control like he does mm-hmm. and that's day one song yeah uh-huh. And they meet up and do some of the craziest video parts, I would say, for the 90s and 2000s. Oh, yeah. Because I was watching some of that, and I was just fascinated by it, just how amazing they were. Yeah. And I, so they do this thing called uh, Rodney versus Day Wong. Yeah. If anybody wants to look it up, there's three rounds. Yeah. And you will be fascinated, even if you're not into skateboarding. Like, yes. It's that cool. Yes. Their their board control is just so crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it's It's some of the best for me. Um, definitely. And then they, um, Rodney and Day Wong after, so Mike Tronowski dies in 94 Uh of a car accident. So plan B kind of sputters. So it's a, it's around for like another three or four years, but nobody's really into it. Mm -hmm. And Rodney after that, uh, gets with Day Wong and they go for another skateboarding company. Yeah. And they invent almost... Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And almost, if you, if you want to check out one of the best uh, skating videos out there, it's almost round three is probably the best okay. one out there. It has like Chris Hashlum and, and it has uh, Ryan Sheckler, if you like when he was a kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, not now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he was like a little guy. And it's just some of the best skating out there mm-hmm. for, for my bottom dollar. Like, you don't really see that type of skating for like a decade um, in well, other videos. Yeah, and that's that's what's so cool about it is he was so ahead of his time. Like he just had that almost autistic brain of seeing like what's laid out five, ten years down the road as opposed to what's going on now. Yes, definitely. And basically took it to everything to a new level and got money behind all of it, which was even better. Yeah, him and uh, Steve Rocco ended up selling World Industries for... Yeah, yeah, it said Rodney made uh, something around like $45 million from doing that. It's like, well, you're set for life. It's almost like, take that, dad. Yeah. (laughs) He he has all these little interesting stories, too. Like, uh, he met his wife. His his wife was, like, uh, homeless at the time, and he used to go skate by her all the time. Oh, wow. They just started chatting, and he was like, oh, you know who are you? And she was like, Oh, I'm a, I was a, a science major and they were both the same majors in college. So if anybody doesn't know, Rodney is like a, a extremely intelligent mm-hmm. uh, person. He, he almost got his master's, I think in, in something. Yeah. Some, something science related, but ended up quitting right before he was going to get it. This is why he's Rodney was he didn't really care about the certificate. He just wanted to go and get the knowledge kind of thing. Yeah, he just wanted he was there to learn, not necessarily uh and apply it, not necessarily use the diploma to further himself. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it's just all these little interesting stories that you hear about him that mm-hmm. I think really make him like probably for me, I think he's the most important person to ever pick up a skateboard, but I think he's probably the most underappreciated. Yeah. You don't, 
you you think of other skaters and other people in the industry more like they've gotten more press oh absolutely but from where it started to where it is now if he didn't exist who know, who the heck knows where they'd be now he, he changed the sport more than so i think tony hawk changed it with his vert but then mm-hmm. changed it again with his video game uh, yeah obviously, obviously. <laughs> and, but i feel like rodney really changed at the core what skateboarding was so like nothing against tony hawk he's probably the greatest vert skater ever um i feel like what he was doing was more surface more of like uh the shine of skateboarding and what rodney did was like more of the nuts and bolts like reinventing the skateboard reinventing street or pretty much inventing what street skating is and just like being with steve rock because a lot of that was steve rocco with the company but being the face of like hey we're gonna do skateboarder companies exactly yeah just giving it to the public in the way that it's been given to the public. Like not as necessarily recognizable as Tony Hawk, but definitely there would be no Tony Hawk in popularity without Rodney Mullen. And I saw interviews where he'd talk about him just absolutely glowingly. Yeah. They were actually really good friends at that time because it was all about competition. Yeah. And at that time, Rodney, this is back in the eighties, Rodney was done with competition because he didn't have anybody to compete against. And Tony was feeling the same way. And actually Rodney came and like spent a summer with him Mm -hmm. and kind of got him back into skating. And it's interesting to think like if Tony Hawk would have quit skating at 18, which he was considering. Yeah. It Uh it was, it was because growing up in the nineties, you don't really realize how much hate Tony Hawk had. Yeah. People hated him. Mm -hmm. He was not the, the star. Yeah. Like when I was talking about earlier with the board wars, they, um, Stacy Palperalta had a, a Tony Hawk board and it was a skull of a hawk. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, when, yeah. When the board wars started, World Industry released Jason Lee, who was from My Name is Earl. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Killer mustache. Oh, yeah. His board came out and it was a skull of a dodo. That's great. So, like, people were talking about, like, if you showed up at the skate park with a Tony Hawk board, you would get laughed out of there because we all have dodo boards. Exactly. And it's just one of those things where that's how they, like, took over the industry was they had these little these little wars, these little, like, things. Digging at people. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And then people, it was interesting because people tried to, like, dig at them and they ended up suing them and people were like whoa what the hell and it was just like you can't do what we did we already did that <laughs> right it, like there's some great uh documentary out there about steve rocco called the man who sold the world sold as in like uh yeah yeah sold the company yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, it's good man it's a it's a good one so if you want to check that out it's a further on world industries and the skateboarding excellent definitely yeah. <laughs> But no, this this was this was a great one. I was glad we, that uh, that you picked Rodney Mullen because you know I had no idea about really the history of skateboarding at all. Yeah, and oh man, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I love it. I love the the interesting stories that we always get. Yeah, um, definitely. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to that podcast. This is just a stock message at the end of all of our podcasts. So we hope you enjoy. You listen to whatever athlete that was. Give us a follow at the Sports Experience Podcast on Instagram. Also, myself at Sequin Comedy on Instagram. Also, Totola Dominic on Instagram. Just follow us all around. If you have any suggestions for any athletes you want us to do, shoot us an email at the Sports Experience Podcast at gmail.com. And we always are recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much.